have needs and desires and seek to discover our own erotic journey, you've come to the right place. This is Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver, presented by SDC. In the next hour, we're here to answer your burning questions about relationships, sexuality, and health from the leading sex experts and professionals. Now, here is your host, Lexi Silver. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to STC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver. Are you curious about kink and BDSM? Do you want to know why some kinky folks enjoy BDSM so much? If you want to discover more about the BDSM lifestyle, why it can be therapeutic, and how you can incorporate kinky play into your own life, you're in the right place. Joining me on today's episode is an amazing duo, Charlie and Ariane Williams of Sex Because. These two have degrees in psychology, clinical mental health, and over 30 years of direct care of clinical experience as psychotherapists. They also specialize in PTSD, sexual trauma, as well as intimacy and relationship therapy. And they recently came out with their book, Fifty Shades of Maybe, A Loving Intro to Kink Possible. Before we start our chat with Charlie and Ariane about BDSM, I want to thank our sponsor, SDC.com, your and my expert source of exclusive information about sex, health, and relationships, where you'll get access to a massive international network and dating platform of over 3 million members worldwide. Use my special promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC. So today's episode is going to be very deep and sexy with my special guests, Charlie and Ariane of Sex Because. They are sex and relationship therapists, authors, and keynote speakers providing online and in-office therapy and coaching. And they are going to help us explore the ins and outs of BDSM. Welcome, Charlie and Ariane. Thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you. Thank I love you. that intro. I know. That was great. I feel so important right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been told that with the intros, but I, I honestly just take things that are true and I put them on paper and I, maybe it's the way I say them. So, or maybe you just need to take a better look of how awesome you really are. We will do that well, right now. See? Thank you. Okay. We're there you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome we can wait yeah. for this interview. We can wait for this interview. I think we talked to you for about a half an hour before we ever got started. So. We probably should get started. I love it. I have no, I'm not complaining. Do you see me complaining? <laughs> we appreciate it. We really do. Oh, uh, thank you. And I'm really, really appreciating it because we have uh, so many videos at SDC from you guys of about all kinds of topics and a lot of things about BDSM. And they're really popular with people who are with our audience, with people who are uh, members of SDC. So there's clearly a need to talk more about why BDSM is so important, interesting, and how people can incorporate it into their own lives. So you are the perfect duo to help me with this. Thank you. <laughs> Thank we, you. Will, we will try because we do enjoy kink and BDSM, it's something that's changed our lives. So yeah, we like talking about it. Oh, so let's talk about that then. Um, you both openly talk about your experiences um, and the fact that you have a, a dominant submissive relationship. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your journey into BDSM, maybe on individually or collectively? How did you start off into this? The interesting about it is that I started off, I found a relationship right in during undergrad, I met someone uh, and it wasn't the healthiest relationship, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I was still navigating my way towards health, and uh, it was in Colorado. I won't give too many specifics in case that individual is listening, but we all know it wasn't healthy. There's a lot of things about it that weren't, but I, did, I was able to take something from that and realize that maybe I wasn't, the traditional sex that I was taught growing up uh, wasn't the way that I was becoming, I, I, was, I, I, I was, I don't know what the word is. I wasn't that. And I, I tripped over my words there, but uh, I think I discovered a long time ago that whatever my parents were teaching me, that this is the way you have sex, this is the way you have a relationship, these are the traditional roles in which you need to be in. I'd grown up in church, and I discovered that I didn't believe a lot of the things that I was learning. And BDSM gave me an opportunity, learning some things about kink gave me an opportunity to structure a relationship in the way that I'd like to. Even though that relationship wasn't healthy, I found aspects of it that were exhilarating. They were intoxicating. So... It was kind of trying because I knew the relationship wasn't healthy, but I also knew that I had turn-ons that I couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. And I would say for me, I had dominant-like pers- like a dominant-like personality, mm-hmm. uh, and that that was my safe spot. Mm-hmm. But the pornography that I watch 
was very much about the submissive role. Uh, so they weren't computing in my mind. Yeah. And then when I met my daddy here, also my husband, a love of my life, I wanted to be his submissive. I yeah. wanted to be his bottom. What's so strange about that is the fact that she wasn't anybody's bottom. I mean, she had worked her way from foster care and uh, six, seven, eight years old. She had been, her mom had left her. And for 10 years, she kind of wandered around from house to house with family members. And she worked her way to college and worked her way to grad school and did the whole thing. So when I met her, she was this, she is still, but she was an incredibly fierce woman that didn't take shit from anybody. And when she came to me and she said, hey, look, I really like this kind of porn. Remember, it was like Bang Bus or something. Yeah, you called it out. It was Bang Bus. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you guys are in a Bang Bus right now during this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. This has been a Bang Bus. We're in our sprinter right now, and it literally is our Bang Bus. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> has, has rocked a lot. <laughs> but she liked porn that involved losing control, and we started talking about that, and I, I liked doing, being in that role. Mm-hmm. which I discovered was rather submissive for a top as well. Thank you, firstly, for sharing that with us. I really yeah. do appreciate that. Do you feel that maybe people who are used to being in dominant roles, whether it's professionally or just maybe in their personal lives, that they tend during you know BDSM experiences to want to be in that submissive role? Mm-hmm. It's definitely not uncommon. It's, I mean, it's really common yeah. to... When you're, when you're in control all the time and you have so much responsibility to crave that brain break. Yeah, I like that you said brain break, because it really is. Mm-hmm. I yes. watched Arian all day long. She would, uh, she would manage 75 therapists that worked at our clinic, and she would be the boss lady all day long doing payroll, going over notes, dealing with audits, all kinds of things. And then I would watch her come home, and she'd want to do just the opposite. Mm-hmm. She'd want to set up something, and she would set up the parameters but I'd watch her want to just sit back and have things happen to her instead of making things happen. There's a lot of pressure, especially in our society with the roles, with the gender roles that we can have, especially in the States. There's a lot of pressure for, for especially women to be this masculine version of themselves or whatever. I hate to throw that word out that way, but you know what I'm saying? This top version all the time. And she wanted to be a bottom instead of having to prove something all day. She was able to come home, I think. And well, that, that goes with the misconception that submission is weak. Ah, I love that. That was definitely a question that I had for you. And I agree with you. It's got to be a struggle because, you know, when I first saw her, I remember kneeling in front of her when she said she wanted to be a submissive. I kneeled in front of her and I said, I want to be your top. I want to be your dominant. I want to be your daddy. And uh, then I I made a list of things that I would do for my submissive. And I remember her being a little shocked that she said. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was shocked because I thought this is not what I had in my mind. I had no idea. Like I, I, I knew that I wanted to feel something as being a submissive, but I had no idea that we would actually serve each other. Yeah. Yes. It was, it was complicated. I mean, it, it went to great details like making coffee for her in the morning and running her bath, picking her up and putting her in the bath. And we do that every morning. We did that this morning. Uh, being really consistent because the one thing that I did know about her relationship with people prior and my relationship with prior, my relationship prior to is that the thing that we lacked was consistency. And the first thing that we needed to make sure we took care of before we talked about any kind of power exchange is we needed to make sure that we had a consistent relationship that had quite a bit of integrity or all the integrity we could have in our relationship. Which created or helped the foundation of trust. Yes. Because it's all about trust. It really is. Oh, yes, it so is. And we're definitely going to dive into the trust aspect of the BDSM world later because it is so fundamental to understand that. It is. And so those are really, it's very interesting to me, your, your story, how you got into it. Why do you think other people have gravitated towards BDSM? Maybe in your practice, you've encountered people who are into kink. I know you guys are kink-friendly uh, practitioners. So maybe you could like unveil a little bit for people who maybe are listening right now and who aren't into kink, but are wondering, wow, how do people get into this? Why, what's, the, what's the attraction there? So yeah, please. What do they do it? <laughs> they're brilliant because they're smart. No, uh, Why is he crawling on his knees right now? What are they doing? You know, it's funny. A funny story is that we teach, uh, we've often taught uh, groups uh, for years, uh, therapeutic groups. And from time to time, we would actually run into a couple or run into a single that was in our group that would, over time, we would discover that that person was a submissive and it was very, or that person was a dominant. You could tell those characteristics. Uh, you could tell those characteristics rather quickly, but since we, we openly identified 
with who we were, not, not in a way that we would interfere with the therapeutic process or right. clinical process, but we, we naturally have those traits with one another. We would watch people gravitate towards us in a certain way. Like submissives would gravitate towards me. Yes. And, and the dominance would gravitate towards you. It was really interesting to watch <laughs> the dynamics of that. Whereas at work, we definitely were more of the switch, like you talk about, dominant switch, uh, you know, submissive switch. We were more like our split switch. We, would, we were more like that in that role because we were having to be therapists, and we didn't want to bring anything into the clinical environment that would interrupt the therapeutic process. So we would find clients that would come to us, and they'd say, I don't know why I enjoy power exchange. I've dealt with trauma. I've dealt with sexual trauma. I've dealt with this. I've dealt with that. Why do I enjoy this? And the first thing we tell them is, well, we don't know enough, enough you sharing that doesn't tell us enough, mm -hmm. but the trust aspect of this type of relationship is something that can be healing. Right. Absolutely. And also the trust that they have to have in you to be able to be vulnerable with you and talk about their traumas. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's empowerment when you choose to, it's your choice. Mm -hmm. So it's empowering that this is my choice to surrender yes. or have the responsibility to, to take care of somebody else. Yeah. And yes. they allow this to happen. They do. Because and they we, want it to happen. They desire this. One thing that we discovered a long time ago is that the very thing that hurts you is the very thing that heals you. Typically, people in relationships are the things that hurt you. <laughs> people in relationships are the things that will heal you, too. So healthy versions of those are what our clients are typically looking for. And when they find it, we watch the healing occur. And, so, and BDSM is all about the relationship yes. of power exchange that requires yeah. trust and vulnerability, like you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that we see you champion all the time. <laughs> oh, I do. Thank you. Thank you for championing my championing. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> and you're right. Those are so fundamental and they're so important. And, and that is also, in my opinion, a misconception of BDSM. A lot of people who are not, who've never tried it before, they see BDSM as being something that is done to somebody else and not that exchange of power. And uh, like Arian was saying before, as far as a big misconception that being submissive means that you don't have power, it's not like that. Not at all. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Yeah. You feel, I mean, well, but do you feel, I mean, do you feel powerful? That's one thing that you told me recently is that you feel more powerful now than you've ever felt. Definitely. I definitely feel more powerful uh, because for me, it is empowering mm -hmm. uh, to... I don't know, this, this relationship is empowering. To serve him is empowering. And I feel strength in serving him. Well, and I also feel a lot of strength. And I think that when you set the parameters up, uh, Arian, when she was younger, like she was in an abusive relationship with a parent, with a caregiver. And uh, so, like I said before, she had been, she was a fierce, uh, you're, you're a, a fierce supporter of women being independent. So you said you were, you're a woman's rights advocate if there ever was one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> However, I I probably skewed too far to a point where I felt women needed to be a certain way, which in my mind is not true feminism. Uh, mm -hmm. It's allowing women to do whatever the hell they want to do. When they want to do it. When they want to do it. So for me, I worked very hard to be this and portray this certain woman that was asexual mm -hmm. and um, uh, scared. I mean, even though I didn't portray it, but I was, all of my decisions were based in fear. Yeah. And mine, on the other end, were I didn't want to trust a relationship to be anything more than what I can control. And not in the good kind of control that's in BDSM. I think a misconception is that there's the top, you're in control. Erin uh, has planned everything that we do. Okay? She said parameters again. She's uh, using that word again. Uh, on, on what we're going to do, the times we're going to do it, how we're going to do it. And what I do is I have to get creative enough to create, creative enough to, to make a scene. And in turn, that scene has to be pleasing to her. So I may be a top and I can be a very dominant top when I want to be. And it's pretty often. Mm -hmm. uh, I have some great guidance because I try to listen to everything she has to say. And I have to have the integrity that goes along with it because what happens is she, if, if I don't have integrity, she'll check out of it. She has enough self-esteem to check out of this relationship right. at any time. Oh, that's amazing. And you're right about the empowerment part of it. And I definitely want to explore that more deeply in the next segment. We're going to get into that pretty much in depth in the next segment. So don't go away. You're listening to Seek, Discover, Create. Want to learn more about relationships, sex, and health and find new ways to spice up your sex life? Check out SDC.com. 
We'll guide you on your erotic journey with unlimited access to videos, podcasts, and articles from experts like Dr. Jess, Sunny Megatron, Dr. Nancy, and Sex Because. Visit SDC.com to discover and connect with your own erotic tribe and explore more at SDC events, parties, and travel destinations. You'll have tons of exclusive resources to start your exploration and continue along your path to erotic self-discovery. Join over 3 million of our SDC members worldwide to seek, discover, and create with us today. Don't forget to use promo code 7070 for two months of free access to SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC. You're listening to the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to Lexi at SDC.com. That's L-E-X-I at SDC.com. Now back to this week's discussion. Welcome back to Seek, Discover, Create. I'm Lexi Silver, and I'm here with Charlie and Arian Williams of Sex Because, and we are talking about BDSM. For me, personally, and I know for some other people, I feel like BDSM can be therapeutic. I'm not saying BDSM is therapy. There are two different things, but do you feel personally that BDSM can be therapeutic for some people? And also, um, you know, how, in, in what ways is that a possibility? We've spoken about this before, and, you know, it definitely can be therapeutic. It's like we mentioned before, it, it can be healing. Well, a healthy power exchange relationship, you have to have respect for yourself, right? Because you have to establish boundaries. Mm-hmm. And an unhealthy person typically does not have healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they usually attract healthy partners. I mean, unhealthy partners. We gravitate towards people on the same emotional plane. Meaning, if we're unhealthy, we typically attract unhealthy people. If we're healthy, we typically... And now that's putting it on a real simple spectrum there. It really is on a much larger spectrum. But a lot of the people in the BDSM community will say things like, uh, uh, your past trauma has nothing to do with BDSM. Problem is, everything that we go through has something to do with us today. You know, our arousal network is, it, it could be uh, rooted in the fact that our mom wore high heels when we were eight and we found that pretty really cool. Uh, we don't know, it's really complex, but the great thing about BDSM is that anytime you get into a healthy, trusting relationship, it's healing. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons that people go to 12-step groups is because they feel like they can go into a 12-step group and they can tell somebody something and it won't be shared to someone else. So it gives them a new version of a relationship, a new version of an old thing. So they're able to redefine in their head what this looks like and they're able to heal because really what happens in our lives is that we typically get hurt by one person. We end up letting that one person define what everyone else looks like. <laughs> and this is the problem that this is a solution that BDSM, I think, can solve when it comes to a, a good, healthy relationship, a healthy power exchange relationship, but it can also create new problems in a negative way. So getting the BDSM, getting in the kink at the right time is something that people should probably discuss a little bit more. Because if you're healthy again, this could be a great experience because you know when to pull out if it's not working for you. But if you're unhealthy, you might, as a bottom, might find a top that's really a dick and not a dominant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And then it could be instead of a healthy power exchange, it could be a, an abuse of power because the exactly. top will not understand or respect your boundaries or, you know, understand the, for example, importance of aftercare, which we'll get into later. Um, yes. And because it could be, it's very fragile. You're basically talking about um, putting your mind and your body. People think it's only physical. It's really not. It's more, I, I would feel, I would argue more psychological yes. than anything. Um, I agree with you. So it's, 
it's very um, it's a very delicate balance of power. So you're right, being in a healthy uh, dominant submissive relationship, master slave relationship, uh, however people want to define it for themselves, can be very, very therapeutic for some people. Yeah. The most broken moments that we have, we're going to have broken people around us. And the issue that with damage is that, and I think Ari and I discussed this when we first met, is that we're going to learn how to communicate with each other in a way that was different than what we'd seen before. But for us to communicate differently, we had to be different people than the hurting people we were before too as well. Yes. And it took some time to yeah, trust each other in these roles. Like some people think, oh, okay, I'm going to submit to you and this is going to happen like that. And maybe for some people it happens that way. For most people, however, it is like any relationship. It's Gradual. something you build. And in Western society, we run into the issue where we watch a lot of movies. See, a, a great top and bottom movie would be Titanic. You've got Rose there and, you know, she's running all over the place and it's freaking amazing and she's going to follow him anywhere and he's like, do this, Rose. And, oh my God, is that you naked, Rose? And three days later, he's dead. And, you know, really, when you're going to put that in the framework of a healing relationship, let Jack be someone she dates for five years and they try to do that. They try to, they try to duplicate that type of relationship they had on the boat five years from now and it's still healthy, then we're talking that's the healthy relationship. But we're sold that these relationships as love at first sight is something that we build our whole... The problem with love at first sight is that if you're unhealthy, you're falling in love with things that look like you. Yes. And you're ignoring, and you're ignoring those red flags. Yes, you are. You are. You're blinded because by them. Because your needs are greater than what reality is. Yes. Yeah, mm. they are. What do we say? We say garbage is garbage to a starving man is a buffet. Ooh, that's deep, actually. Yeah. Yeah, It's about garbage, too. Oh my God. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about BDSM very generally and there are different people, there are different people who like BDSM and who enjoy kink. And some people like to do it time from time to time. They want to incorporate just a little bit into their routine. That's cool. Um, there are people who like to do it, um, you know, a little bit more often. They'll do it every weekend. They're more consistent with it. That's cool too. And what's also cool is the ability to, um, or the desire to want to have a 24 seven, um, dynamic in their relationship. So to be able to 24 seven, have that dominant submissive relationship with each other. So are, I mean, in, from, from your perspective and maybe from people you've spoken to before or that you've coached, do you feel that there's a, there are different people who tend to gravitate toward that more 24 seven kind of dynamic versus people who just like to, you know, add a little bit into their routine just to spice things up a little bit? Thank you. a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know about different kinds of people, just different desires as far as what they're wanting and how much of the lifestyle, because if it's 24-7, it becomes a lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. And even though it's BDSM lifestyle, we call it, we call the BDSM lifestyle lifestyle, but when we think of lifestyle for ourselves, we think of what we do every day, all day. Like we're yes. parents all day. Uh, we're therapists all day. Um, but being in the 24-7 lifestyle, we can do that when the kids are asleep. And we do some framework of it during the day when we're doing homework. But really, truthfully, what, when we come out is when our lives allow us to. Now, that when we go on vacation for two weeks, well, that's 24-7. It really is. And unfortunately, our community can be um, our community can be really strict when it comes to what's called 24-7 and what's called not. What we tell people often is that do you. Do you all day. There's enough things to argue out there in the world. We don't need to argue how kinky and how kinky we aren't and how kinky we aren't enough of. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Just enjoy you because really when we got teenagers in the house and their friends are coming over, the thing that we run into is that uh, uh, there's different types of collars she wears when a 17-year-old boy is coming over with his parents than she wears with me at 8 p.m. when the kids are in their rooms and not coming back, back down later. And we respect that. It doesn't mean that we're weaker in BDSM. It doesn't mean that we're not doing it right. This is our shit. One we're doing it any not, way we want to. One way is not better than the other. Not at all. No, exactly. And I, and I completely agree with you. And anyone who says differently, you're just kind of judging. Like, you can judge. We have to have respect for how other people want to practice their own yes. lifestyle or to practice BDSM. 
Well, yeah. you, you have to. And as therapists, sometimes we don't want to bring things into the therapy into the into into the therapeutic environment, like we talked about, that affects the client across from us and makes them ask questions. So we because in therapy, it's not about us. Yeah. So we don't affect the process yes. that they need to go through in order for healing to occur. Erin will have her collar on and then she'll take it off. And there's some people in the King community who said she should never take it off. I'm like, no, I, you, she's got permission to take this off. When we're dealing with a parent that lost a child two days ago, we, we, our kink is still present, but guess what? That client is too. So yeah. you have to do kink the way you'd like to do it. Yeah. That's what we want to give people permission to do. And we, we hate sometimes that other, other people don't necessarily feel like they should grant them the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you wear. I mean, you don't have to be wearing like leather or latex or Not a collar. It's no. like the argument um, that people have sometimes, like that bottoms have, saying that a slave is actually more than a submissive. Yeah. Oh, it's a term. It's just a term. It's a term. We've doing slave days. We've set up slave days on our in our relationship, and we we are we lean more towards that from time to time because our safe words are for. There were a time, but now we have an understanding. But that's our own relationship. But we have heard that. She's only a slave four days a month, so therefore she's not truly a... Please don't walk in my house and tell me anything that we are. This is yeah. our contract. This, this is, is our, our business. Yeah. And yours. You know, we see couples that only do it three days or seven days a week. At, I mean, seven days a year at Hito. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They only do it then. So You brought up something interesting about being a slave versus being a submissive, and I know what you mean, but could you elaborate a little bit for the listeners? Okay. Um, uh, less elaboration. <laughs> <laughs> I like that word. Less elaboration. No, go ahead. <laughs> With a submissive, a submissive typically has set times where they serve and when they submit. Uh, obviously, there's a contract, so they designate these times, and then with a slave, this is all pre-negotiated mm-hmm. with the contract, and you are serving 24-7. Serving so 24-7. There's usually not a safe word yeah. uh, with a lot of 24-7 slave relationships. Yeah. Um, there's an understanding. There's an understanding. Now, however, with a, you can still in the contract anytime. Yeah. And I mean, the contract can actually nullify itself. Yes. Because if there's any kind of way, if, if, if I'm hurtful, for instance, if I uh, there's a lack of integrity in the contract, she can get up at any time and say, I'm done with this contract. So it's less about safe words. It's more about her deciding what she's going to do and what she's not going to do. So the contract ends and has to be renego- renegotiated. If you're doing it, what we feel like is the, the way that we do it. Um, that's, the, that's the predominant way you have to do it. So it keeps everybody online here. Now, does she already have a pre-designed safe word or something that we already have? If she throws it out there, of course, I'm going to acknowledge it. Because safe words don't necessarily mean that we've we've, uh, failed. Safe words are actually a great thing. Because safe words allow me as a top to realize I've gotten to this point. Maybe I need to back off a little bit. And then we start over again at this point and see where we can go. Absolutely. That's really what they're about. So I love getting as close to that safe word sometimes when it comes to, especially when it comes to impact play as I possibly can, because that offers her something that she's really looking for. Right. And that yeah. idea of consent, it goes both ways. Some might understand oh, the, yeah. um, the idea of a submissive meeting to have a safe word or needing to establish consent uh, with their boundaries, but the dominant also needs to be oh, able to do that. Yes, she I'm is, so she, glad you said that. She, uh, we had one night where she was, uh, she enjoys anal sex. So do I. But there was one night where I think we did 12 <laughs> to 15 hours of it. Okay. It was a large, it was a, it's a, it's a big night. Okay. And uh, she wanted to keep going. She had, she had descended into a place. There was, it was over a two day period where she wanted to continue. And I noticed that she wasn't in a place to continue. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in a place to want to continue. And uh, we, at that point in time, I said, I'm tapping out. I'm done. I'm done. You were, uh, you had discovered squirting at the time. And that was something that you really wanted to investigate even more and more. And that was at night. Yeah. Through anal sex. So I was like, yeah. this is how I, let's keep going. Let's <laughs> yeah. And she was, she was, and I, at that point in time, I was worried for her, worried for me. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, look, we're done. I may have been dehydrated, you know, ready to be done, but I needed a break. And at that point in time, I took a break. And what she did is she takes the tree frog position, which is my aftercare. Yes. She'll lay on top of me. And uh, I think that's something that people miss is that, like you said, like a tree frog. it's a tree. She gets on me like a tree frog. And what it does is it confirms to me that the person that's the most important person in the world to me is okay. 
And I need to know that sometimes. And she checks on me too as well. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, I love that. And I want to get more uh, into the importance of aftercare in the next segment. So don't go away. We will be right back after this. Explore your lexuality on my website, LexiSilver.com. For those of you who are just getting to know me, you'll be pleased to find my erotic stories and a variety of kinky sex toys on my site. If you dare to enter my playground, I'll treat you to 15% off anything you desire when you use promo code LexiSDC. That's L-E-X-I-S-D-C. And don't be shy. Come get lectual with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you. You'll find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Lexi Silver. That's Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to Lexi at SDC.com. That's L-E-X-I at SDC.com. Now back to this week's discussion. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm Lexi Silver, and I'm here with Charlie and Arianne Williams of Sexy Cuz, and we are talking about BDSM. And right before the break, we are talking about the importance of aftercare. Why is it so crucial in a BDSM scene or after a BDSM scene? Yeah. Well, I like the fact that you said during and after, and you, you kind of made this timeline. You made a timeline because there is something called pre-care. And uh, a lot of times if you do certain scenes, uh, if you like a like, kidnapping scene or we do a tie-up scene that maybe there's limited time, mm-hmm. the scene is all day, we're like, hey, you're going to be in this role, we're going to this adult theater and you're going to do this, this, and this. We're probably sharing way too much personal information right now <laughs> but, uh, about our It's inspiring. Scene. I'm but getting ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't always have the time afterwards because the scene may be all day. It may be a role you play all day long. Um, with that, though, sometimes pre-care is as important as aftercare, and it's much the same. You can get together with your submissive, with your bottom, and what you do is you hold her, you do a lot of cuddling, you talk about what the scene's going to be, or him. Yeah, I'm talking about I'm talking first person here. I want to say thank you for interview my interview. But uh, <laughs> you have to really, really sit, sit down with him and discuss what the scene's going to be like. Do that connection stuff that may be the total opposite end of what the scene's about to look like. Uh, it's important in steps that connection, but everyone, uh, everyone doesn't have the, the, everyone doesn't need the same aftercare. There are some people that when they have aftercare, like Arian, there's times where she needs aftercare that looks like her getting busy immediately afterwards. Maybe she needs to go uh, do something with the kids. She needs to take her, herself as far out of that element as she possibly can. I can check on her safety uh, after impact play, but I also have to learn that in this, on this particular day, she likes this particular thing. Right, and the type of aftercare can, that, you, that you desire can vary yeah, can. and change depending upon the scene. Yeah, it can. It really can. The, the great thing about kink and being aware with each other in top and, as, as top and bottom is that just because you establish an aftercare plan, plan that says, hey, I like massages afterwards or I like this uh, checking in with each other afterwards, you have to have the flexibility to say, hey, just because I like this this week, doesn't necessarily mean that I like this in two days. Uh, I, I like aftercare kits. The thing that that troubles me a little bit about people when they put together aftercare kits, if it's not the right top 
or the not, even the, not the right bottom because both of you need aftercare, uh, is that you start relying on that kit and sort of looking and seeing what the scene has created and what you need to do afterwards. You have to get to know each other intimately because just because you have an aftercare kit doesn't mean that's going to be enough for what the scene prepared for you to deal with afterwards. Right. And then, you know, aftercare is important because you have that drop. Yeah. You have that sub drop or you have that top drop, that mm -hmm. dom drop. You have like both, both can experience mm -hmm. top and bottoms experience the drop and both can experience feelings um, that are perceived to be negative or unwanted, yeah. you know, because you're, you're feeling so high during and then afterwards you come down yeah. and it can feel like a crash and maybe the top can feel some remorse or the bottom can feel some remorse and they just need some care afterwards. We always tell people to think about MDMA. MDMA can treat trauma. We always tell people serotonin, but there's also something called when you do X or in Molly, there's something called suicide Tuesdays. After your, after your brain experiences that serotonin, mm -hmm. there's a natural drop where it goes back to baseline. Mm -hmm. You have to be prepared for that drop. And I think it's important because we, sometimes when people think of aftercare, they think of something that the submissive needs, but you were just mentioning something also that it's important that the dominant also has that aftercare. What could aftercare maybe look like or be different? Like, as we said, it's different for different people, different moods, different days of the week, different days in general. You never know. Um, it could change, right? Um, right. But have you, in your, I guess, personal play, I guess let's get personal, why not? I have yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> Is it, do you feel um, as much of a need for aftercare being in a dominant role? In, have you needing aftercare, not her needing aftercare and being careful with her safety and everything like that? You know what I do? Because there's a lot of caregiving that goes into it. And I gave you an example. We talked about it during the break. There was a young lady that we had over one time. And I remember handcuffing you and putting you, this is about six years ago, handcuffing you and putting you in the corner. You said you wanted to experience this. And you were pretty much, you were blindfolded, handcuffed in the corner, and you were going to listen to me and this particular woman be together. Yes. Uh, at that point in time, I remember looking at her and saying, this is a little bit more than what she was ready for at that time, but she was urging me because she had been, we had been in the middle of this scene for a couple of hours mm -hmm. and she had already, already established her altered state of consciousness. You know, the thing that we kind of go for when we're doing a little impact play and I determined she wasn't ready. Now she swore she was ready. Problem is the emotional impact on me, this being the person that's the most important person in the world to me uh, was severe. I remember walking out of the room and needing to take a break. What she did at that point, I, I uh, I, I removed your restraints. I took off your blindfold. Mm -hmm. And I asked that you ask this person who's a good friend of ours who would understand, uh -huh. uh, didn't feel discarded, her to leave. Uh -huh. And that was six years ago. Now, that's something now I said during the break that that's a party for her now. <laughs> okay, that's not even something that's a struggle. But at that point in time, I needed a break because I wasn't going to do anything to her. I, I felt like I was doing something to her that was hurtful. But I, I wanted to provide him comfort in knowing that I'm okay. I'm okay. And so I wanted to make sure that he was okay yeah. and that he didn't feel any, any, any guilt or sadness for what just occurred and that everything is, is okay. Yeah. And she did a good job of convincing me because that became the menu. But yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you both have a really amazing connection and a great relationship to... And also, I mean, a great relationship in general, aside from this other aspect of dominant-submissive, that relationship as well seems to be very healthy in that you both are watching out for each other, not just your physical safety, but your emotional safety, your psychological safety, making sure that you're both okay during and after a scene. I think that's super important. And that kind of aspect, that understanding of the reciprocal uh, nature of that care is just sometimes very underrated. Some people don't really talk about it as much, but it is really very important, especially for future scenes. Making It would be very difficult to go into another scene afterward, maybe a day or two or a week later or whatever, had you not had that proper care because you might still be carrying some bad or negative feelings about the way the last scene might have gone down. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really difficult to sell out to the scene. Yeah, and that's what you have to do. You have to turn your brain off in some ways, but you have to trust uh, the safety aspects and the respect mm -hmm. aspects of that, too. And I love the fact that you said scenes. Uh, we, and we, we definitely have to teach something, but it's important for us to be, I mean, authentic when we're teaching something. We have, it's easier to teach when you're living it rather than to make up something that you're not living. Yes. And it, it's really difficult for us to be anything else. So... It's not just seems, but I love the fact that you say that because you you see it, 
but we have to confirm it with ourselves. So, and you do the same. Same. Likewise. Exactly. So let's talk about those kinds of relationships that do foster positive BDSM uh, relationships that those powerful, um, sorry, those positive power dynamics that we were talking about before the healthy kinds of uh, dom sub relationships or master slave relationships. If let's say, um, and there are lots of couples uh, that are, that might experience this is let's say you're in a monogamous relationship and one of the two partners, a traditionally (laughs) monogamous relationship, um, one one person might want to explore kink or BDSM, but the other partner is just not at all interested. How can, is it right? I mean, I have my own answer for this, but I'm asking yeah. you, is it right for one partner to um, kind of convince or pressure the other partner into doing something that the other partner might not really feel super comfortable doing? Maybe just saying like, oh, you don't know until you've tried it. Let's talk about that. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, well, we say as long as there's no abuse, coercion, or mi- manipulation, then it can work, right? That's, that's you, you can engage in, yeah. in BDSM scenes and in a BDSM relationship. Mm-hmm. So you're starting off not right from the very beginning. Yeah, you don't want to have to, uh, we don't believe in talking someone into or pressuring anybody into doing anything. We, we like to be real about real about things when we talk to couples where they're on their what we feel sexual polar opposites what we feel would be sexual polar opposites uh, you can challenge your libido in other ways there are other ways that involve masturbation there's other ways that avoid scene setting you can negotiate a lot of the times what couples do with us is they give us a call for online coaching online therapy and they're wanting us to negotiate or bridge a bridge some kind of communication between the two where they can offer something new in their relationship like mm-hmm. kink uh, we typically go backwards before we go forward. So we try to figure out what the barriers are that they're facing. Cause usually a couple, when they get to that point, they've got years of mess and communication issues mm-hmm. uh, that are already in the way. You'd be amazed at the amount of, amount of sex that couples would have if they just didn't talk shit to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just being real. And that's usually the buildup of resentment over the, over time. Over time. So we try to get the resentment out of the room. We, we said this recently to a couple, we were like, you got three or four other extra people in the room when you guys are trying to have sex and it's not you two, you know what I mean? So we try to get that out of the way and then we look at really try to figure out what can we work with here? Because sometimes couples will, instead of going right into kink, maybe top or bottom, maybe they like exhibitionism, maybe they like other things, maybe they like uh, switch roles, we negotiate. And that's what you should, any respectful relationship is about negotiation. It's especially true in BDSM where you both have to negotiate what it is that you are willing to do. So whether like in a relationship, whether, um, you know, if one of you are not really interested or the idea of doing it is aversive to you or you think could be damaging to you or you're really not into it, but you want to do it for your partner. My advice personally is just don't do it. Um, Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do things that hurt you in your relationship. You're going to continue to build the resentment. Yeah, Yeah, you are. And that's the way it is. We, uh, we often see couples that, you know, the guy will come by or the girl will come by and say, hey, look, I want to force my husband to do this or I want to force my partner to do this. And I said, no forcing. There's no coercion, no abuse, or no man- manipulation. So yes. This can't be a straight conversation that you can have and make it work. Uh, it's not going to work. Now, if this is, something, this is something you feel like there's a possibility, then we can talk about it. But do that with a mediator. And uh, because we feel like sometimes couples don't, don't, don't realize how hard they can they can be on each other when it comes to these types of things right you know oh for sure and i want to talk a little bit more about relationships and couples who might not really be on the same page when it comes to bdsm and also couples who are on the same page when it comes to bdsm so (laughs) don't go away we're going to be right back after this Explore the decadent pleasures of Ibiza, our provocative new SDC getaway that fuses sumptuous relaxation with the liveliness of the island's world-renowned nightlife. Over five hedonistic nights, you'll savor the unique local flavors and spectacular views, and we're not just talking about the Mediterranean seascapes. Throughout our exclusive SDC takeover, you can indulge in the experience of being surrounded by seductive, like-minded international couples in the lifestyle. Connect with guests in our erotic play areas, clothing-optional pools, jacuzzis, and beautiful beaches, and immerse yourself in the youthful Ibiza party lifestyle with our glamorous SDC theme nights. Create memories that will last a lifetime in our latest Spanish escapade in Santa Eulalia del Rio from September 21st to the 26th. Book your rooms now at sdc.com. 
Craving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, articles, and videos. And keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter. All on thesexylifestyle.com. The Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network is where you can build a new vocabulary to talk about sex in a healthy, loving, and productive way. Discover more about yourself and your relationships from our amazing sex experts who can't wait to share their information with you. You'll learn everything you ever wanted to know about sex, sexuality, sexual pleasure, and so much more on the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network. Listen, learn, and live sexy. are tuned in to seek discover create with lexi silver if you have a question or comment about the show we'd love to hear from you via email to lexi at sdc.com that's l-e-x-i at sdc.com now back to this week's discussion Welcome back to Seek, Discover, Create. I'm Lexi Silver. I'm here with Charlie and Arian Williams, and we are talking about BDSM. And we were just talking about some good and, you know, like some some, some positives and negatives that could potentially occur or arise in a BDSM scene after BDSM scene and in a relationship with two people who might not be on the same page when it comes to BDSM. But let's talk about two people who are in, or two people, three people, however many people are in this relationship, because we hear. Uh, here on Seek Discover Create. We are open to all kinds of relationship configurations. So if you are experimented already with BDSM, you are, you have done all kinds of different things. You've tried, um, you know, some of the maybe more basic stuff. So by basic, I mean, um, being blindfolded, being like mildly tied up. I'm not talking about like some intense shibari that is a little bit on the different scale from what I'm talking yeah. about, but because um, it's a little bit more complex, it takes a lot more time. Um, but let's say you've tried some of these more, um, you know, uh, like beginner introductory BDSM things, but you want to kind of spice it up a bit, but you don't want to go too far right away. How can you, what do you recommend to amp it up, but gradually, like what are the, like the good next steps to keep it kinky, to keep it fun, but not to, I guess, be too much too fast. Uh, I think uh, we got an exhibition this really quickly and we do have a sex because kink challenge. And now the old challenge is actually, those guys over the old challenge are really doing a good job with uh, in their own challenges. I would probably uh, say looking into things like exhibitionism and really kind of being coming public with your play. Uh, mm. We enjoy public play. We enjoy the visible colors. I've always been a big fan. One of the reasons that this has always been our day color has been because I enjoy the fact that when people see it, they know exactly what it is. So when she's wearing it, there's no doubt what it is. People will come up and say, what did the woman say? Nice choker to you once, but you knew she was... She winked at me. Really taking it to the edge there because there's a lot of things that happen with the brain. The brain's a tricky thing. There's a lot of endorphins that start firing off when you're out in public and you're out naked. Uh, so there's a lot of serotonin that's involved in legally, this kind of no, play. Like, but legally. Yeah, yeah. we got to say disclaimer. Okay. Yes. gas isn't legal, but we've done it. Uh, but we haven't done, we've done it when there's no kids around. Uh, so really just, and also maybe doing a little bit more, a little bit of impact play, changing your implements, Mm -hmm. um, like different spanking tools, different, uh, floggers using two at once. Lauren, your top should want to learn their art. So learning, learning some Florentine flogging and things like that. That'll amp up what's going on, getting restraints that are, that you can be attached and move from hotel rooms to your home. Uh, really investing in your gear. Yeah. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I would say, uh, Play more mind games. Yes. So keep it more mental. Yes. You know, do things where, and and have it established where certain things are expected at certain times. Yeah. You know, if you kneel a certain way, you crawl a certain way, you only look at me at certain times. Mm Mm-hmm. And she enjoys that. And looking at those soft limits, when you make a contract, which we we expect every couple to invest in, if they truly want to get into this power exchange lifestyle, you should do a written contract. We firmly believe that. Uh, find out what the soft limits are and, and kind of dabble in them. You can't be, as a top, you can't be afraid of pushing those soft limits. Again, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to push your submissive, your bottom, to a place that they want to go. 
don't expect them to know everything about what they need right now. You need to take that authoritarian authoritative position and say, Hey, I think I know where we can go and let them sell Let them say no to you if, if they don't want to go there. But yeah. gradually, right? You want to push them gradually. gradually. Yeah. Yes. I love the way you said that. <laughs> yeah. I had to like add my own disclaimer there. in there. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. It's your show. It's your show. We don't have to say a disclaimer right now. So, <laughs> no, we don't high five with that. No. <laughs> great, Lexi. You're hundred percent right. Do it slowly. You've got to establish trust over time because her soft limits and hard limits are different seven years later than they were today than they were then you know of what i mean of course yeah and your relationship has evolved you know your 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 relationship in general has evolved but your relationship yeah. as a dominant and a submissive has also evolved because you've tried a lot of different things you've experimented you your boundaries you you know yourselves individually better you know yourselves together also in this power dynamic better so uh with practice and and more and more play sometimes a novelty will wear off for certain things you might want to try something a little bit more interesting i I like this idea that you're saying about incorporating a little bit more of you know mind games right and i i feel that um like we were talking about before some people don't realize that bdsm is not all about impact play it's not about pain it's not about it's a very very psychological thing and it's so fun right um so well for me and something else that could be very fun to do also you can get a sex toy that is remote controlled or that you can control with an app and you can make your submissive wear it so there are some like by we vibe for example which you know just like quick shout out to my website lexisilver.com you can get that there um but (laughs) there are wearable vibrators that you can turn on and off if your submissive allows you gives you permission to do that um then you could play with them throughout the day and that's controlling their body and their mind because they they don't know when to expect the vibes they don't know what's going on and you can also give or deny them pleasure uh so it's it could be an effective tool for punishment or reinforcement? Well, we've done forced orgasms quite a bit, and some of the people know that we teach classes on the forced orgasms, and we've used the Weave Act. We've also used the eye massager. You can use that through your clothes. But the uh, she's had as many as 12 or 14 with that, that thing. And they're not, they're, they're pleasurable for the first, what, two or three? Yeah, and then after that, it's, uh, I mean, it's, after so many orgasms from a vibrator, it can, I can become painful. It's sexy because I, it's, it's also uh, denied at times as well. Yeah, yeah. And, we do um, a lot of that before bedtime. I like mm-hmm. to deny our orgasms throughout the day because he'll, it's fun. He'll it's, get me to the point, and then he'll just take it away. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what it creates is it creates a situation by 10 p.m. that evening that's, uh, uh, I don't know, It's uh, it feels like our first date all over again. It really does. And that's the buildup, right? So you're talking, so the idea of forced orgasm in your case, what you're talking about is he's bringing you up to that point where you're almost there and then he denies it. So you're so aroused. Your brain is aroused. Your body is aroused. So you're engaging both your mind and your body, which is like, it's it's amazing. It's just like the ideal scenario. Um, So she loves edging. She loves forced orgasm. She loves all of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you love them, actually. You need to speak for yourself. No, I do love them. The the edging, like, like it is, it gets the buildup and the buildup and then the stop and then the buildup, the buildup to a point where the orgasm is probably larger or it will be larger than it would be if you just had gotten to orgasm the first time. It is buildup so great that it is now explosive. And, And she has a lot of integrity again with that because we'll, She'll have to do it seven times in a day. And it's really hot when she gets to the seventh one because she's uh, she's pretty much in heat at that point in time. I hate to say it like that, but that's exactly in what's heat. going on. <laughs> <laughs> but the bad thing about it is I'm equally in heat because I'm ready to go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, it's pretty. we're, we're pretty insane and, and with that kind of thing about 10 o'clock at night after doing that. So, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm very curious about this because we were talking about um, forced orgasm or orgasm denial, and they can be used either as punishment or as a reward. I mean, it varies. It depends on the submissive. I mean, how bratty is your submissive? Like, there's so many different ways that you could play with different things and things that could be perceived as a, quote, punishment, which a submissive really wants anyways. Is it really a punishment? Like, let's let's just, like, quickly explore this in the last little leg of our segment. <laughs> What do you do? You think it's punishment? Forced orgasms and edging? Is it a? Is it a yeah? For you? Do you? Yeah. For me. The way it's used. Yeah. Uh, I know it's not an org- It's not a punishment. However, it with forced orgasms, 
depending, let's say he has used it as a punishment. It's say if I, if I've moved too much, Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say I have a harness on with a vibrator. Mm-hmm. Um, if I've done something incorrectly or if I've looked at him and I'm not supposed to, mm-hmm. he will turn it on and use that as a punishment. But it's, but it's still desired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She rarely does anything that's out of a, and that's why I think people, the misconception is that you, you discipline, you spank because, or you, you create pain because maybe your submissive didn't do something correctly. Not saying that that doesn't happen, but a, and well on the machine when it comes to top and bottom, there are very few things you're going to find that are done incorrectly because there's so much communication. So yeah. I almost have to find things to, to punish, her for, punish her for because she enjoys that so much. <laughs> she enjoys being a bad girl. And, uh, you know, in, ter- in turn, what she's doing is she's backlighting me. She kind of becomes the top. She's, yeah, she's, she's topping from the bottom. Her. She's topping from the bottom. That's exactly what she's doing. Nice. So I just want to touch on something you said before, because you're talking about punishment and um, that miscon- the idea of misconception when it comes to mm-hmm. punishment and the idea that some people might have that a punishment is something that your submissive doesn't want. Your submissive is still consenting mm-hmm. to be, you know, um, to be uh, spanked or flogged or uh, have, you know, their orgasm denied or forced upon them. This is still something that is within the constraints, the boundaries that you set up together so but it is the idea of punishment quote in this sense is still something that is a positive thing which is a little different than when you think of punishment like okay well i got grounded for two weeks because you know (laughs) i stayed too late it's not quite the same idea when you're talking yeah and lexi i'm glad you said that because here's the thing about bdsm now that it's become the mainstream we can all be so careful that's a great thing about about us being socially conscious, being sexually conscious, that we can all be careful about the way we explain things. I remember being an African, well, I'm an African-American male getting into BDSM. Uh, well, I'm a history buff too. And I grew up in North Louisiana, which was the lynching capital of the freaking world. Uh, well, when people are talking about slave training and this type of thing, and it resonated differently with me. So it's something that had to grow differently in me because of that. But I wasn't afraid of the conversation. Now it seems like even in the King community, uh, now that it's become a little bit more mainstream, we are afraid of talking about the things that are there. Like uh, Arian loved the bimbo training piece because she, and even bimbo, bimboification, bimboification. Uh, because she was someone that she didn't want to be objectified for so long. But now as part of her kink, she enjoys being objectified. But even in the kink, there can be these feelings as though this is okay and this is not okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What my bottom enjoys is completely okay with me because she stated this is what she enjoys. After spending so much time of her life not wanting to be objectified and saying that she's saying, hey, look, put me out there. This We call it slut training. We call it different words. But put me out there because this is what I enjoy. And this is contrary to who I am every day. So this is one of the reasons I enjoy it. I love the fact that you said it that way because we can be so careful and kink is careful, but at the same time, it's not. You know, it's careful within a box, and we have yes. a lot of fun in that box. You know <laughs> I bet I mean? you do. I bet you have lots of fun in that box. <laughs> <laughs> too much fun in that box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it has been a pleasure uh, talking about everything in and out of the box today. Um, and <laughs> I just want to invite everybody to check out your videos on SDC.com. And also, let's talk about where we can get your book and, you know, talk about um, where people can get in touch with you to get coaching or any of the other amazing things that you guys offer on your website? Well, uh, sexbecause.com is where you can find our book, 50 Shades of Maybe. And PTSD and sex. All of our social media is sex because you YouTube, sex because you're Instagram, fight. Twitter. Like, yeah. It's, it's all sex because Facebook, Facebook, Facebook everything. Facebook. Facebook is sex because. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We're all we're, we're consolidated. <laughs> this is new. Yeah. That's just good branding. It's everywhere. Put sex because in Google sex because you'll find us. Amazing. Well, I know a lot of people are going to be getting in touch with you after this. So thank you so much for a great show. Such a great conversation as usual. I know we're going to continue it after this for sure, but thank you very much. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. Thank you for inviting us. Yes. (laughs) We'll see you soon.
Oh yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you all for listening today. You can tune in Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for my next show right here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Stay up to date with my podcast. You can download and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. And don't forget, you can learn more about sex, health, and relationships as you seek yourself, discover together, and create moments at sdc.com. Thank you for joining me, Lexi Silver, on SDC's Seek, Discover, Create. Until next time. Stay sexual, people. Bye. We appreciate you joining us on Seek, Discover, Create, presented by SDC.com. Please join your host, Lexi Silver, on another erotic journey next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Until then, may you enjoy exploring your sexuality.